56% of college students are women, and 48% of employees in the workplace are women, which is awesome. Ladies, this is proof that we are smart and working hard. But you know what's not so awesome? Only 29% of VPs and just 22% of C-suite executives are women. In male-dominated industries such as STEM, these numbers are even more startling. As these numbers state, women aren't lacking the knowledge, education, or ability to be leaders in the workplace. What many women are lacking is the competence to take on risk. Most of us have heard this one before. Men will apply for jobs they are 60% qualified for, yet women will only apply for jobs they are 100% qualified for. This type of stat also applies to women at their job, not willing to take on that new, unknown project. What she's lacking is the belief that her skills and abilities are not only quote-unquote okay, but are powerful and needed in the workplace. The Confidence Workshop is created to help women dig deep into their mindset and get to the root of this problem. If this conversation gets you as fired up as it gets me, we are now taking applications for this workshop for the ladies of STEM corporations. Please head to our website at nextlevelconfident.com to learn more about the Confidence Workshop. What's up? You are now listening to the Next Level Confident podcast with Janelle and A. If you are ready to challenge your previous ways of thinking and take action on the bold, purpose-driven life you were created for, you'll want to keep listening. On the show, we will vulnerably discuss finding your purpose in life, strengthening your mindset, building quality relationships, and prioritizing your health. I hope you're as excited as I am. Let's do this. Hey, you guys, welcome back to the Next Level Confident podcast. My name is Janelle Lene, and I just want to say if you have taken a moment to fill out a review and give five stars, I just want to thank you. Thank you so much. I read through those reviews and I am overwhelmed with joy when I see the things you guys have said. And so thank you if you are one of those people who has done that. Another thing I want to say is I had the honor and privilege to speak for women of McAfee yesterday. And so if you are a woman of McAfee and you are listening to this podcast right now, I also want to thank you for coming to the workshop yesterday. Thank you for your vulnerability and um, yeah, just a big shout out to you. Thank you for being here. And if you aren't any of those people, you're also welcome here. So thank you for being here. Today, I want to introduce to you and give a very warm welcome to Jeanette Harvey. Jeanette has spent 15 years in the recruitment industry. She co-founded the North American business of one of the largest specialist staffing players globally and was named by SIA as one of the top 100 influential leaders in the field. In 2021, she founded her own company, Harper & Gray which has a mission to drive equality through talent management, helping to create more diversity and fairness in the world of work. Jeanette, welcome to the show. How are you today? I am so good and thank you for having me. I'm really happy to be here. So glad to have you too. You guys, while you're listening, go ahead and check her out, add her on LinkedIn. Her LinkedIn is linked below. It is Jeanette Harvey. And I would love for you to check out her website as well. It is harperandgray.com. Harper is spelled H-A-R-P-E-R. And the whole word and, A-N-D, you got that one. Gray, G-R-A-Y.com. Uh, so if you're listening and you work at a company that wants to recruit diverse talent or individuals to be represented fairly, please connect with Jeanette. That's what she's here for. That's what her business does. And she would love to help you. All right, Jeanette, so let's dive in and go ahead and just share a little bit about your story, how you got to where you are today, your leadership background. And um, yeah, let's start with that. Let's let's dive in. Okay, yeah, sure. So um, 
I am originally from the UK, which you can probably tell from my accent. So I um, first got into sales in my uh, sort of early 20s, definitely was attracted to the idea of sales being a meritocracy. Um, I had um, sort of come up in, you know, an environment and, uh, you know, in a social class where I really didn't have anything. And so it was really attractive for me to be able to work in an environment where um, what I put in um, could really change the, the course of, of my career and, and trajectory. So I joined the specialist staffing group when I was 23. They were a UK and European um, recruitment company um, focused on in the STEM space. And they really wanted to diversify and, uh, and set up a North American business. So I sort of put my hand up, uh, as I said, a small amount of sales experience and said, I can do that. And so I moved to, to New York um, when I was 23 um, with, um, with a, another guy um, who I co-founded the business with. And really over the course of those 15 years, I would say I, I really sort of grew up in the organization. I, I grew up as a leader and um, we took that business together from zero um, to just under 300 million. Um, we went from just a couple of us hustling and, and developing clients to, um, really working with some of the most prestigious um, Fortune 1000 organizations and some really cool, innovative um, startup companies. Um, and we hired um, and currently have over 400 staff in, in the US. So it has been uh, an amazing journey that was, um, you know, qu quite a ride. And then more recently, and, and something that I'm really, really proud of and really excited about is um, having spent 15 years with the, the specialist staffing group, I um, recently left the organization, um, left as a friend and um, set up my own company, Harper and Gray. And really the goal of that organization is to um, drive equality through the um, recruitment process. And I've, um, I've spent enough time from a personal perspective, um, sort of understanding what some of the barriers are um, to, to true diversity and inclusion. And, and I saw it in corporate America and I just felt a really strong um, pull, um, really strong purpose to, to kind of do something um, to, to really impact that and to, to make the world uh, a far more um, fair and equitable place for, for everyone. So that's my latest uh, venture and um, yeah, I'm super excited about it. Wow. Congratulations on starting your own company. And I'm sure it is better sweet leaving behind something so big that you've built over the last 15 years and, um, being like, okay, time for my next chapter, you know? And so one thing you just said that I wanted to touch on was being biracial. What has it been like for you being a biracial woman in STEM? Um, so kind of, um, it's 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 really from the perspective of uh, understanding sort of firsthand um, maybe some of the elements of the um, of the process and the game that are somewhat rigged. So my goal really is to recruit into to kind of the STEM space. So working with a lot of organizations who um, they really do want to to kind of diversify their their teams and and I think there's there's genuine um, genuine desire to see. Um, to see that diversity in, in kind of teams. But I think there's a lot of areas where things fall down, right? It falls down um, during the um, selection process. There's there's some inherent bias um, in uh, just, just kind of built in. And, um, and then also 
what do you do when there's one woman on your team or when there's one minority on your team? Like you have to do some things to to really combat the fact that, um, you know, that person is going to be sat there with the only syndrome, right? And so when I, um, you know, kind of came up through the leadership ranks in specialist staffing group, uh, I was often the only in the room. So I was the only woman, I was the only um, biracial person for a really long time. And, um, and, and that you have to create an environment where it is safe for people to, to kind of be their, their authentic self when everyone else around them looks, talks and thinks the same. Um, so yeah, I'd say those, those are some of the observations. Yeah. Was it ever a challenge for you? I mean, I would, I guess that's maybe a stupid question. I'm sure it was a challenge for you at times. Can you give us an example of maybe a a time where the challenge arose and and how you dealt with it? Yeah, I think um, sort of early days when you are trying to develop your um, authentic leadership self and, um, you know, it was a challenge in the sense that there were things that I really identified just intrinsically as a as a leader, right? Leading with empathy, kindness is really important to me. Um, I like to connect with people on a human level, and so kind of vulnerability and and those things were were just even in my twenties were things that just kind of. Um, just felt very natural and very authentic to me but being on a team with a lot of men it was uh, on a leadership team with a lot of men those things were almost seen as a sign of weakness in leadership and it was you know drive and competitive and drilling people and um the for for a moment I I really had a crisis of confidence and wondered do I need to act like the like everyone else in order to be able to get ahead as as a leader and so it was really very much sliding doors moment for me around am I gonna have the courage to just embrace uh, the things that I think are um, important in leadership or am I gonna go with the pack and um, I'm really happy to say that that I decided to to just kind of trust myself and as a result, I actually always built really incredible succession within my businesses because I had really strong teams. Um, I developed other leaders and, and I think that's a, a testament, right? Leaders create leaders. And so when I look at many of the different people that I've led over the years, I'm so proud that they've gone off and started their own companies or they're leading a really large um, part of our current specialist staffing group. And so, um, yeah, that was, that was, that was initially a challenge, but um, again, I think another point for authenticity and showing up as yourself. Yeah. Wow. So cool that you had that split in the road and you're like, okay, am I going to try to act like all the guys that I'm working with, or I'm going to stay true to some of those things, which I feel like are kind of like feminine energy, right? Like a feminine energy is like empathy and kindness and, and grace and vulnerability. And yeah, I mean, you're hitting the nail on the head. So many of the workshops I, I do it's they women share with me over and over again, that they feel like they can't be a leader and have all of those things. And it sounds like you were able to do both and, um, so did anyone ever try to change you or tell you that that was a weakness or, um, or did you just lead from such a place that they, um, they just, I guess, never questioned you? Um, I, I think that, you know, results are, are important in any business. And so I got very good results from my teams. And, and so um, from, from that perspective, people are always very happy. And, and I think over time um, really leaned on me a lot to, to kind of help support um, our leadership efforts, you know, across the U S and you know, yeah, I would probably be, be more of that person um, that would, would, would kind of help the, the broader leadership team with, with kind of challenges and um, very big on 
personal development as well. So um, one of the things that I really noticed is over the years, I would always, you know, I, I guess I'm a personal development junkie. After I'd done one thing, I'd be looking for the next <laughs> thing and the next thing. And, the next thing. and, um, and I, I noticed again that a lot of people weren't necessarily like that. And so as a result, I, I came in, I'm, an, I'm a certified executive coach now. And I had all these other tools to, to kind of add to my, um, you know, to, to my leadership um, toolkit. And um, yeah, so there's just like lots of different examples like that, where um, I would just kind of keep elevating myself because um, I have no ego, you know, like I, I really do believe that, um, you know, leaders are learners, like just keep the more that you learn, the further that you're going to go. And I think sometimes people, again, can see that as a little bit of a sign of weakness. They want to say that we arrived and, mm. um, and wow. that they need any more development. And those are the people that tend to, to kind of, they'll reach a, a ceiling, right? Where the only way to unlock further opportunity is, is to develop themselves. Wow. Oh, so good. So much goodness in there. So, okay. One thing I want to move into is we talked recently about women in STEM and how women often feel like they are scarce in the workplace. And you had mentioned using their scarcity as leverage. How does a woman go about using her scarcity in the workplace as leverage? Yeah, I mean, well, you just have this incredible opportunity to lean into that and that becomes part of your personal brand. So flip it on its head rather than feeling like the only, I'm the only woman in amongst all of these uh, other engineers or, or wherever wherever you're, you're sort of sat, think about that as um, what opportunity does that present for you from an organizational perspective, right? Can you um, be a leading voice in terms of organizational change around um, maybe helping to, to sort of spearhead um, the cultural change that means that more women are going to be coming through, through the door within the organization? I guess the point is instead of shrinking within that role, step into it and own it you know, be a voice of authority and, um, and, and let that scarcity really work for you. Wow. Ooh, so good. That was powerful. Hello, just in case you were starting to hit your mid podcast lull, we're going to take a quick break from the regularly scheduled events to boost your energy and have a little extra fun around here. I'm going to ask today's guest, rapid fire questions and then we'll pop back into the conversation right where we left off here we go okay Jeanette so this is the part where we do our power hour rapid fire questions and we're just gonna dive right into some really fun questions to get to know you a little bit more number one Jeanette what is the best advice you have ever received the best advice that I've ever received, I would say, is being my whole authentic self, like bring my whole self to everything that I do. And um, yeah, don't try and fake it. Yeah. Oh, yes. So good. Okay. And what is your favorite beverage? Oh, my favorite beverage. Um, adult beverage, I would have to say a uh, glass of champagne um, and um, or a pink gin and tonic. That is, uh, that's my other guilty pleasure lately. Ooh, wait, what makes it pink? It's pink gin. <laughs> oh, it's just pink gin. Oh, I thought maybe they put cranberry juice or something in it. Oh, pink gin and tonic. I'll have to try that. That sounds fancy. Elderflower tonic to be specific. What, what is it? Elderflower tonic. Oh, elderflower. I love elderflower. Oh my gosh. Everyone listening now has a drink to try. <laughs> as soon as your nearby bar opens up, if it's not open already, head on over, grab your pink gin and tonic with elderflower. Okay. Uh, Jeanette, fill in this blank. I have a blank at my desk at all times. Um, I have post-its. <laughs> Post-its. Yes. Is that where you write your to-do list on? 
totally. Random, all kinds of random thoughts that go through my mind is on post a post-it wall everywhere. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, okay. A strange or maybe even potentially bad habit that most people don't know that you have. A bad habit. Or weird or quirky. I mean, it doesn't, I don't know. You know, um, <laughs> my partner, um, not long after we were dating, asked me why there are literally thousands of half-started notebooks around the house. So <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a doodler, I write thoughts down, and I, I love pretty notebooks, and I get really bored with them, and they're just discarded. There are literally hundreds. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. <laughs> my husband is the same way like he loves to start a notebook and then he won't finish them and I'm like there's all this wasted paper and he's like I know but I just moved on to the next one so I feel very guilty about it <laughs> <laughs> well I don't think you need to feel guilty and I I feel you like having a beautiful journal is mm-hmm. when I when I do finish one, I will be honest, I'm, I'm a little OCD on the finishing part, although absolutely no judgment to you not finishing yours, but I get so excited to go yeah. buy a new journal or new, you know, it's like, it's like a happy day when I get to go get my new one. I know, geeky, the geeky things that um, amuse us. <laughs> right, exactly. We basically are all like third grade girls deep down. It's fine. <laughs> Oh, awesome. Okay. What book or podcast are you reading or listening to right now? The book that I am reading right now is um, Dare to Lead, Brene Brown, um, which I love. And podcasts, I I sort of... um, I've gotten really deep into Clubhouse recently, so I've uh, I've fallen off the the podcast scene. But I do always make time for Heather Monahan's um, Confidence Creator um, podcast. So that's my that's my weekly habit. Oh, cool! That's awesome. Wait, so you listen to her on podcast or on Clubhouse? On podcast. On podcast. Okay, cool. That's awesome. Yeah. I've started clubhouse, but I haven't gotten super into it. What are you listening or like, what groups do you join in on there that you get value from? Um, so Heather's got a good one. She does confidence and cocktails. I think every day, um, there's a good, good group discussion. Um, Alex Carter has got a negotiation group, which is great. Um, so, but I, I really just like all these kind of random, um, sort of, you know, yeah, quirky kind of conversations and rooms that seem to open up on, on the fly. Um, yeah, there's, there just seems to always be something, always something different. I also think it's a great platform for entrepreneurs. Um, lots and lots and lots of, of kind of advice and, and opportunities for people to network. Mm, yeah, that's so true. Okay. So if someone wants to join one of those clubhouses, is that something I could link below in the notes and they can request to join? Is that how that works? Yeah. So, um, so the, the platform's kind of invite, uh, only, but, uh, it's, you know, you can kind of, you can register, um, a username and your friends can, can kind of wave you in pretty easily. Um, I actually host some rooms on there myself. And so I'm at Jeanette Harvey, um, but, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's easy to, to just kind of dive in once you're there. That's awesome. Okay, cool. Love it. All right. So favorite personality test, if any. Um, I don't think that I really subscribe to the personality test, to be honest with you. I don't put a huge amount of, uh, of stock. I mean, I did insights, um, which was, was pretty accurate, but I, I think we're, we're just forever shifting, you know, and, and, um, and kind of evolving. So, um, I think who you are today isn't necessarily who you are even, you know, sometimes six months from, from now. So, um, insights is pretty comprehensive, but yeah. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. I respect that. Okay. And two more questions. One, will you ever move from where you currently live? 
Probably. So I've kind of I've been all over the place. Um, you know, I spent many years living in London, moved to New York, moved to Chicago, and I have been here now since 2011. And and it does it Chicago is an amazing city obviously the winters are a challenge um but I think when my son gets a little bit older I would definitely like to head somewhere a little bit sunnier yeah okay any ideas and I think I'm probably uh headed to California one day in the future yes. <laughs> let me know when you get here we can be neighbors you can move to San Diego I'll show you all around <laughs> yes you'll be my first call yes that's awesome and you have a son is that what you just said how old is your son he is eight eight oh so cool what's his name his name's Grayson Grayson oh he'll be delighted that you made it into the power section of this podcast exactly <laughs> shout out Grayson, shout out Grayson. <laughs> so cool okay last question is what was your best moment as a businesswoman Jeanette my best moment as a businesswoman would probably get in recognized as one of the most influential uh, leaders in the industry um, by staffing industry analysts. Um, it was really great to look at some of the you know, CEOs of major organizations that I sort of ad admired myself and, and thought had done a, an amazing, um, amazing job in, in kind of um, advancing the, the industry. And so to be in that lineup and, and really as kind of a reflection of the work that I'd done over the last 15 years, that was a pretty great moment. Wow. I bet. Yeah. You're like, wow, look at all these people that I look up to and I'm there too. Like, how did you feel in that moment? It felt, it felt great. And, um, you know, uh, as a woman, as a, you know, biracial woman at that, it was, it was, it was just good moments to, to kind of feel recognized based on, on achievements was, was terrific. Wow. So cool. So cool. Okay. And then my last question, which is just for people who are listening to this, you just said that you're biracial. So what are your races? Yeah, sure. My mom is white and um, grew up in England. And then my dad is Jamaican. Oh, cool. And so did you live in England at one point? Is that how you have an accent? <laughs> sure is. Or, <laughs> or can your, did you just get it from your mom, but you lived in America? I don't know. Exactly. <laughs> Um, like, am no, I allowed to ask this question? I don't know. <laughs> no, I grew up in England. I moved to the States when I was 23. So yeah, my, my whole life I spent in the UK and, you know, still love it, still miss it. Oh, so cool. Okay. Well, thank you for sharing all that. What a fun power hour. <laughs> love it. Woo! That was exciting. I hope you are feeling energized like I am. Let's go ahead and get back to our regularly scheduled events. Okay. Um, the other thing I want to touch on is talking about women negotiating their pay and asking for a promotion. I know that we talked about this in depth the other day, and you told me that you had hosted a workshop recently that taught women how to do this. And that there were a bunch of women who reached out to you on LinkedIn after saying like, Hey, here's my story. Here's what's been going on for me with my, you know, me wanting to negotiate my pay, um, asking for your wisdom, asking for your help. So, um, I would love for you to share a few of those stories or maybe even just one, and then let's dive into if someone's listening right now, they're like, whoa, 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 I want to negotiate my pay. Let's give them the steps. Yeah. So it, 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 it was interesting when I spoke on this, on this topic that just the array of women that came, that followed up with me, right? Some of them were in C-suite positions. Um, there were, um, you know, women in um, in in this in STEM. There were people who um, were in sales themselves, right? And so um, there's no there's there's the this is something first and foremost that a lot of women are uncomfortable with doing. So I think the important thing when we think about negotiating our pay or negotiating for a promotion or even the conditions of our role 
this isn't about women's general negotiation skills. Generally, women are terrific negotiators. The issue is when it comes to advocating for themselves. And uh, so I think the stats are 20, 20% 20 of women absolutely never negotiate for themselves. So I, they, they just won't ask. Um, and, and the vast majority of women feel a level of discomfort when they asked uh, there was a, a study where they asked men versus women what how they felt about negotiating for themselves what the analogy what analogy they would use and guys said um oh it's like a wrestling match or uh fun fun things basically and and women compared it to going to the dentist and, um, <laughs> You can imagine that when people are going into these things feeling like they, um, you know, it's like pulling teeth, then you're probably going to have a, quite a negative experience. And so the advice that I gave to many of the women that, that kind of reached out and, and joined the workshop was, um, you know, there's, there's a, a way to go in terms of lots of different steps and lots of different things that you can do. Um, but I think the first is, um, just around confidence. So don't feel that you have to tick every single box before you go and put your hand up for a promotion, for example. So, you know, I, I think on average, if a man ticks 50% of the boxes, he's putting up his hand, he's ready for that promotion. If, if a woman ticks 90%, she's going to really, you know, the experience will tell us that she's going to focus in on that last 10% and think, you know what, I'm going to get better at that before I do this. And so this is where I think in the world of work, you'll often see highly competent women working for average Joe, right? And average Joe is just the guy that was willing to put his hand up and say, I can do that, um, even though he, he, he's seemingly underqualified. So I think the first thing is just kind of really, um, is, is really seeing yourself um, as you actually are, instead of um, falling into to this sort of perfection trap. And then um, when it comes to, to sort of um, the, the actual practical steps of, of asking, I think men are really good at developing their network. So they kind of are always really on the ball in terms of where their worth is. Um, and women tend to shy away from those conversations, but there's so many different avenues to just, first of all, benchmark, am I getting my worth? Um, and so that was the piece of advice that I gave to a number of women. I said, you know, who do you know in the industry? Who works for other companies? What specialist recruiters are in your space? call them, talk to them about your profile, find out what the market rates are. And a ton of them came back and was like, I'm so glad you did that, that you asked me to do that. Just going away and doing that research, it turns out that I'm about, you know, 20% or 30% below market rate. And actually that oh, is, no. that's the that's the stat around expectations too, is that women's expectations versus men's, there are, there's about a 30% differentiator. So um, on average, a woman is, is probably going to be, her mind's going to be, if her mind's at, you know, 100,000, uh, guy's mind's going to be probably at least 130,000. So um, just kind of realizing um, and doing due diligence around that at least puts you in the seat to be having that conversation. And, um, and then, yeah, when, you, when you're having that conversation, I think um, making sure that you are, um, you know, you're approaching it with the right mindset. There's really no downside to having conversations about salary. And, and I think there is this belief that um, we're going to pay a professional penalty by bringing it up, right? Like the answer to <laughs> be yes, no, or maybe, right? And and if it's a no, that's not the end of the conversation. You 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 know you, it opens up a dialogue, right? Negotiation is a to and fro, and you know you always want to make sure that your employer knows that there's benefit, right? To making sure that you are 
um, you know, that, that you, you feel valued, right? Because that means that you're going to stick around and guess what? We get the best ROI from the people that stay with us the longest. So there's, there's so many inherent benefits. Um, but we just, first of all, need to be prepared to ask if men are asking four times as often as women, no wonder they're better at it than us, right? Cause they're just asking all the time. Um, so it's kind of like water off a duck's back if they get a no they'll just ask again in another few months whereas you know we're, we're probably you know in the fetal position for a little while <laughs> because um you know we're we're devastated that we worked the, the courage like it's not a big deal if if it doesn't you know if you if you get a no um but um yeah i think the important thing is just to ask Wow. So many gold nuggets there. And it's so true. I think confrontation in general for, for many women is is very scary and women work it up to be something bigger in their mind than it really is for all forms of confrontation. Right. But especially something that comes down to money because we are as a society, money conversations are very uncomfortable. Um, and, and again, especially for women, you know, because men from such a young age are taught to chase money, right? You get a job, what job do you want? Make money for your job. First, from a very young age, women are taught to chase men, right? And so that's why so many women are chasing, you know, dating and getting a husband and, you know, getting married and maybe having kids, things like that, which again, I, I, I agree with that. I like having, I have a husband. I like having a husband. So I'm not against that, but I'm just saying, I started to realize a few years ago, oh my gosh, I have years of conditioning that said, find your man, find your man, find your man, find your man. And so many men have conditioning of find a great job, find a great job, find a great job. And and they're thinking way more about money than us as women often are, especially money that we're making for ourselves, right? We might be focused on the money that our man is going to make growing up because our parents tell us, find a man who makes money for you, you know, so you can keep the house clean at a good, at a good wage or whatever, you know? And, and so some of it's just societal norms and it's learning to let those go and realize that we are allowed to think about our own money. We're allowed to think about the money we want to make and, um, having that healthy relationship with money in general, realizing it's okay to have money conversations. It's healthy. I think, it, I think there's so many incredibly astute points in, in what you just kind of said there. Um, one of the things that a friend of mine mentioned this the other day, and, and I really wholeheartedly agree that the things that women are taught to celebrate, they are great things, right? Engagement, um, getting married, having a baby. Um, but those are seen as the holy grail, right? Like that is, you know, you've made it. And, um, you know, I, I think about when some of my male friends have, have kind of really nailed it in terms of their career and they've hit the C-suite and, and all of the, um, you know sort of celebration and adoration that follows with that and I I actually um I do have you know really successful females in my network and um and friends and I I think we're not we're taught to not celebrate those you know when's the last time you had a promotion party right you know and and especially for some women who don't subscribe to this idea that um you know their life goal is to find a man that wants to marry them um you know what happened you know where what what's their replacement for the baby shower or the mm. engagement party there's there's other life milestones that i think women are you know, really comfortable now. We're just throwing these labels um, that we've been assigned and saying, no, actually, like that's not the path that I'm following. And so I really am a big fan of normalizing, celebrating other incredible milestones um, for the successful women in our midst. And, And I think this really then goes to support all the things that we just talked about, right? Just, you know, pursuing um pursuing your path to to the top and and um not being um comfortable with being paid in the glory of it right and and actually asking for for hard cash and so yeah 
wholeheartedly. Amen. Amen to so many of things that you just said. And I, I think the other big thing to say is we're allowed to have it all. We're allowed to have, you know, if someone's listening and they are wanting, I always try, I want to be inclusive of everyone. Like whatever your goal is in life, as long as you're pursuing that, then I'm happy for you. And I support that. If you want to be a stay at home mom and have children, I support you. And that if that's your dream, I support you. If your dream is to have no children and, and to not get married or to get married, and not have children for, you know, ever, right. You don't want children. Amen. I, I, I support you, right. You're, you're allowed to have that. If you want to never get married and only focus a career, like all these different things, they're all right for us as women, right. There's no one right way to live our lives. And so whatever direction you want to go, it's beautiful. Right. And, and so we, sh- I, I guess I just wish that more women would support each other with the direction they're choosing to go, because, you know, I don't think a, a corporate woman who should, you know, make fun of, not that I've heard this before, but make fun of a stay at home mom for choosing to be a stay at home mom. But I also don't think a stay at home mom should make fun of or roll their eyes at a corporate woman who doesn't want to have children and maybe doesn't want to get married either because she's focused on pursuing her career full-time. There's, there's no one right or wrong way to do this life. Um, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I actually think, uh, I, again, I wrote about this yesterday on LinkedIn about mom shaming mm. and, um, and that's what it basically comes down to is passing judgment on people's uh, decisions, right? And so on the subject of, um, of, of being a mom, it, it's hard either way. I, I spent the first six months when my son was born on maternity leave and um it was really hard i mean i i loved it and it was great times but um you know being being the full-time caretaker of a tiny human that you know knows no boundaries is um (laughs) is is a lot and when i went back to work you know um it, it almost felt um you know a relief to to pass my son to the nanny and be like yay and i'll see you when i get see you when i get home and and spend that quality time with him then um but it's certainly true that they're both hard they're just different types of hard and um you know is is choose is choose you hard um but they're also both incredibly rewarding and um there's you know as you said there's no one right way to to kind of do life and sometimes you might even find yourself on both sides of it right you stay right. home up back to work and and that's just the natural kind of flow of things and so um yeah just um I, I think women who support one another um yeah just yeah I mean that it's just amazing amazing energy and and so much to to kind of be said for that yeah totally and I guess one whole one section that I completely forgot to even say out loud but someone like you who is a, a badass corporate woman and, and now your own businesswoman like and you have a, a child that you take care of and love, like you can also do both. And I, I don't have a, I don't have any children yet, but from what I've heard, a lot of times there's even can be mommy guilt involved with that. Like what you wrote yesterday, um, in, in doing both. And so it really all just goes back to, you're allowed to have it all. You're allowed to have all the things that you want. And, um, that's a beautiful thing about the 21st century for us women. Um, one thing that you said on the phone the other day, uh, was about how right out of college, men are more likely to negotiate their salaries more so than women. And I wanted you to share that story with people listening so that they could get an idea of what's currently happening and how to do it differently. Yeah, I mean, there's just a, a ton of um, a ton of studies around this. There was one study of, um, you know, both men and women graduating from the same program. So there's, there was no other, nothing else to legislate for, that no one had any work experience. They were just fresh graduates and men still negotiated and women did not. And so right out of college, there ended up being when they tracked the men and they tracked the women on average a $4,000 pay gap year one. And so when you then combine a lot of the other things that we talked about, if you start off already with um, say a $4,000 differential, then men are gonna keep asking more often and they're gonna ask for more, right? Because their expect our expectations are on average 30% lower then you can actually suddenly see how 
Um, for the average woman, they say over a 40 year career span, um, that we leave about $900,000 on the table, which is no. absolutely colossal. But when you think about the compound effect of all of those different factors, starting with negotiating on their very first job, this is why we are where we are. That number makes me want to throw up. I know, right? Oh, I feel like I just got punched in the stomach. 900000 thousand dollars that we leave on the table because we're not willing to have tough conversations, ask over and over again, be willing to be told no. And I think some of that just goes into realizing if you get a no, when you ask for a salary, um, you know, a salary change or asking for promotion, I think we tie it too much to our ego or we tie it too much to our reputation. Like, Oh, if I get told no, I don't know. There's some sort of limiting belief tied up in that. Like if they tell me no, then they're going to be mad at me. Or if they tell me no, that means I'm not valuable or I don't have a high self-worth or I don't know. There's something going on deeper behind all that. It's very interesting. It's fear of rejection at its deepest level, right? So the reason we don't ask is, is fear. And, you know, the, the thing I would say is I ask, I'm, I make a point of negotiating for myself all the time for absolutely everything, right? So, I mean, it might, I'm, I'm the person at the check-in desk that asks, you know, to have free flight upgrade. Um, yes. and, um, and so I ask for everything that I, I possibly can. Um, because if I always advocate for myself, then I'll never not advocate for myself, right? So if you always ask, then you're, you're never missing anything. And when it comes to the important conversations, it means that you don't flinch. Um, and so for me, I've had important conversations over the years around my career. And sometimes the answer is yes. Um, sometimes it's mm, not right now. Okay, let's talk about it again. Or the answer is just a flat out no. And what I will say around the fear of rejection is every single scenario, every answer, I've been just fine. <laughs> I survived, you know, and not really given it much of a second thought. So I, I think that just, you know, having that self-knowledge that what doesn't really matter what the answer is, you'll be fine. It, it's, uh, you know, you, you reassess and you decide what that means for you. Right. So for some people getting a no, um, might tell you that this isn't the place for you, right? If you're truly undervalued, that's just information, right? That you've taken this to your organization and said, I am on, I'm categorically undervalued, right? And um, and um, what are we gonna do about that? And if, if you basically get a flat out no, then look elsewhere. It's, it's, it's information for you to make your next decision. Right, and if it's a no, and you want to stay at that company, it's saying, okay, great. Then what are the three things I need to do right now in order to get there? And what, when can we re-meet on this? You know, uh, you know, do we set a meeting on the calendar for three months from now and we make sure that I've hit X, Y, and Z, and then I get the raise? Like, what do I need to do? Tell me the steps, I'll do them. Yeah. yeah. And my husband, Frankie always says, you don't get hundred percent of things you don't ask for. And so I love what you said about even just asking for an upgraded flight. That's kind of a little, maybe a little thing, but over time, the compound effect of just being willing to ask for a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more being brave enough. And over time, you're going to get to do that in other circumstances. And so often you do get stuff. I've done that. I've done the same thing. Like when I'm at a car rental, I remember I was with a bunch of friends and, uh, we had some sort of, you know, smaller car for our rental for this girls weekend or women's weekend, I should say. And I remember saying, let's just, you guys, let's just ask for an upgrade. See if we can get a better, a better car. And they're like, okay, like, are, are you sure? I mean, are the one we have is fine. You know, whatever. And I'm like, no, 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 let's just ask. And they're like, okay, you do it. I'm like, okay, I'll do it. So I go up and I'm like, Hey, can we get a free upgrade? And the person looks at me and they're like, well, why would you get a free upgrade? And I'm like, I don't know. I mean, we're here for this birthday weekend. We're having a lot of fun. I, a little more space would be nice. And I just kind of list off a few reasons and I, you know, you're being friendly and kind. You're not being rude about it. And, and the person looked at me and they're like, all right, sure. Why not? You know? And I'm like, cool. Thank you. And, and so the time it's going to work. It's just, it, 
people aren't used to people just asking stuff like that. Yeah. And, um, I think they almost just respect your hustle for asking. <laughs> They're like, well, I guess I don't lose anything for giving that to you. So why not? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's amazing. Hey there, you may already know my story from thinking that my life wasn't very valuable or have much purpose to transitioning to the belief that I am valuable and my life was created for a purpose and then starting to finally pursue my biggest dreams. And I have a feeling you might be on a similar path that you're wanting to fully believe in yourself and your quote unquote crazy dreams and have the confidence it takes to audaciously pursue those dreams. So if you're listening right now and thinking, yes, Janelle, that is 100% me, then I have something special for you. You see, I still remember the days where I cared way too much about what other people thought of me and was filled with uncertainty around what I was and wasn't capable of doing with my life. And looking back, I am certain that there is one thing that I wish I had known all this time. I want to share it with you to help you make the transition from caring way too much about other people's opinion of you to becoming a free bird, fully allowing yourself to pursue what you want. So I've created a free resource that lays out the number one thing that's getting in the way of you having that unshakable confidence and how to overcome it. If you're ready to commit to your personal growth and get real honest with yourself, go to nextlevelconfident.com forward slash confidence muscle and grab this free resource. Okay, cool. So let's see, we've talked about negotiation for pay. Is there any other final things you want to say on that, Jeanette, for anyone listening who might be thinking about like next steps for themselves? I think just ask, you know, and, and make sure that you've thought about it upfront. You've thought about, uh, you've got the information so you know whether you truly are um, undervalued. Make sure that you understand how you're going to position that ask in a way that is a win-win for everyone and and that you're talking about it from a we position and um yeah just just don't let fear stand in the way of you asking the the question so good oh i have one more thing i want to say too and that is i have a friend her name is meggie palmer she owns a company called pep talk her and i'll link that below and it's an app that you can download and the goal behind the app is helping you track your successes and celebrate your wins so that that way when you do sit down to have that conversation about your promotion or your raise you actually have documentation of everything you've done well and the whole goal behind the app is to help close the gender pay gap and so so documentation is huge. A lot of times we don't realize how far we've come, but if you start to document every day, one or two wins or one or two things that you've done that are really incredible, you'll be able to create documentation that shows your manager, shows your boss, here's everything I've done, you know? And, yeah. and that might, that's impressive in and of itself. They're like, whoa, you have done a lot or you really have, we've seen the numbers grow and, and just having that information is so helpful. Yeah, it's huge. Cool. Okay. So another thing I wanted to ask you about is how you mentioned that managers in STEM often, they often don't help their employees with self-promotion or, or maybe they say stuff like, oh, women, they actually don't want leadership. What would you say to that? Um, so, yeah. So sometimes what happens is, um, rather than ask the tough questions around why does our leadership team look the way it does um we tell ourselves myths right so um oh maybe the women they just don't want leadership and not that ambitious or um you know oh the a lot of the people are having families and don't want this you know and all of those things are just not true um and uh, sadly I have heard those things. Those are real examples of things that people have said to sort of justify why their leadership team or their executive team is predominantly white males. Um, and uh, so I think first and foremost is just not allowing yourself to, you know, as, as a leader um, to, 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 to sort of, um, you know, perpetuate that, that kind of uh, myth or, or stereotype. Um, women, 
you know, haven't suddenly become not ambitious or <laughs> um, having children doesn't mean that it robs them of their desire to pursue a career, right? And so um, the, the question should be, what am I doing to facilitate um, the development of females in our organization, right, in my team. Um, and, and so often the reason that people don't put their hand up is, you know, confidence, we just talked about sort of perfection, maybe thinking that they don't tick all the boxes. Um, the fact that women are less great at self-promotion, right? So they're actually probably waiting for you to tap them on the shoulder. Um, all these different things. Maybe they're even looking at the team and the, at your leadership team and saying, I don't look or sound or, or, or think like anybody on that team, right? And so maybe, maybe that's not the place for me. Um, so it's up, to, it's up to us as leaders to make our, um, you know, to, to sort of, foster um, that pipeline of female leaders and to make sure that people know that there is a seat at the table for them and that we value difference um, so that's that would be my um, perspective on that that's good and that leads actually into my second to last question which is I'd love for you to tell us a little bit more about your company and how you bridge the gap for for companies that are passionate about diversity and they actually have no idea to how to how to do it you know yeah so the, there's kind of three main um, elements to um, to Harper and gray in, in terms of how we're helping to do this so number one um, you know, there's, there are so many organizations with great intentions that they want to, to develop um, diverse, um, to, to really diversify their, their, um, their workforce. And I really noticed um, from a partner perspective that lots of people were passionate about diversity and inclusion, but maybe didn't have the background in recruitment and sort of understand how to cultivate and and kind of foster these the relationships with these different um candidate communities and so uh you know that the sort of first thing that i do is when working with organizations your talent pool the candidate selection for your recruitment is going to be representative of america right it is going to look diverse and um, there will be diverse candidates in in that slate um, which brings me to the second um, service line, which is, it's one thing to see the candidates um, and, and to have access to diverse talent, but how fair and equitable is your hiring process? How inclusive is your onboarding, right? These are things that mean um, somebody may or may not stay with you. So I, um, I don't cut and run at the point of here's your candidates. Um, I, I really work with organizations to make sure that they have a fair and equitable recruitment process. So, um, you know, that's, that's entirely free of, of bias and support them to, to kind of develop a, a fair onboarding process. And then finally, um, I'm very passionate about the power of coaching. So I'm a certified executive coach and um, I help organizations to support their hiring managers who maybe haven't previously managed diverse teams. And so, you, you know, it's, it, it kind of, we are where we are. And I think it's really important that instead of just saying, you know, here you go, and we're going to diversify that we actually provide um, tools and resources for managers to, to kind of better manage um, in a really inclusive and, and kind of collaborative way. So really the idea of each of those um, distinct service lines is, is providing um, companies uh, the opportunity to go on a journey um, with their talent management um, partner, in this case, Harper and Gray. Um, so supporting them through the various different phases um, to, to really enact true change um, as opposed to being something that's, that's quite transactional. Hmm. Wow. So cool, Jeanette. I'm really proud of you for launching Harper and Gray and for doing what you're doing. It's so important. It's so needed. It's been needed for probably a long time. Um, and it's cool to see some of the action that's actually happening. And, and you're one of those people who 
I know you're going to make a huge ripple in this. I know you're going to make a big change. So thank you for being willing to leave behind what you're currently doing, which is um, probably really good, but you're leaving it behind to be able to do something even bigger and something even more meaningful for you. So I'm really proud of you for that. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay. So um, our last question is, if you could have every listener that's listening right now, walk away with one thing and take action on one thing, actually, specifically, what would be their one action step to take from today's podcast? It would be that we are all responsible for change. And so regardless of your vantage point, if you're a woman who wants more for yourself, then ask. Um, If you are someone that leads a team and wants to see more um, diversity and, and kind of fairness within your organization, then that's up to you to do something, right? So we all um, need to, to kind of contribute to um, making the world and the workplace a, a sort of fairer, more transparent, more equitable environment. And that's not going to be down to the efforts of, of you know, a handful of individuals. Everyone needs to, to kind of play their part and, and take action in that. So good. Amazing. Jeanette, thank you so much for being on the show today. You have inspired me. I'm going to go negotiate some stuff. I'm going to go ask for things that I wouldn't usually ask for. You are so empowering. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me.